When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you a football fan looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars? You're in the right place. Black and Teal, baby. Welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Move those chains. Here's your host, Jordan. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast, episode 41. How about that, Scott? We've passed the uh, 40 burger mark, and uh, we're on to the 40s. I'm getting old. I can feel <laughs> it in my bones already. It's the podcast making you feel older or younger, hopefully. No, it's, the, it's what we're covering, <laughs> to be honest. I love doing the podcast. It's yeah, just, there's no question woo. about that. Uh, covering the Jaguars or being a fan of the Jaguars, there's certainly been easier days. Oh, yeah. But we've got a ton to get into today. Before we get into it, though, we want to just send out our thoughts and prayers to everyone in Houston, everyone who's being affected by the hurricane uh, that just went through there. Big shout out to one of my least favorite players in the league, J.J. Watt, yeah. for organizing relief efforts and raising over $6 million already. Yeah, he's, he's His being... goal for this is now over $10 million. That's crazy. Uh, Leonard Fournette, who uh, he dealt with. Hurricane Katrina himself firsthand. He uh, he lived under a bridge for four or five days during that time period when they were just waiting for everything to settle down. And uh, he he donated fifty thousand. Uh, Shad Khan has come out offering support. He actually just released a statement prior to us coming on air. He said the Jacksonville Jaguars will support whatever scheduling decision the NFL makes. What's most important to me and everyone in Jacksonville isn't where we'll play the Texans in week one, but that the city of Houston and its people recover quickly, safely, and successfully. Classy move, as always, by Shad Khan. When is that guy not classy? Yeah. (laughs) I've never seen a moment from him where it's like, ooh, that's bad. That's bad press. But you see that from plenty of owners around the NFL and especially in other leagues, the NBA. They all, they, a lot of them just put their foot in their mouth so yeah. many times. Never see that from Shad. But again, mm-hmm. shout out to J.J. Watt, and uh, thoughts and prayers go out to everyone being affected by Hurricane Harvey rolling through Houston and the surrounding areas. So, like I said, we've got a ton to get into here in episode 41. We'll look at the winners and losers from the Jaguars versus Panthers game. We'll redo the Jaguars offseason. We'll offer up five choices that we would have made differently than what the Jaguars did. We'll predict the 53-man roster. We'll look into Blake Bortles being named the starter. We will look ahead to tomorrow's matchup, Jaguars versus Falcons. We'll give you a little bit what to watch for there. We'll look around the AFC South. We'll give you our PFF minute, and we'll end with our Keep one, let one walk segment. Scott is in the dark on that one again, I believe. <laughs> Got me so, on the spot. I'm excited for that. So let's go ahead and uh, get into it. 
This and every episode presented by Bold City Brewery. You can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And make sure to check out uh, Generation Jaguar on Twitter at Generation Jag. We've got all the latest news and analysis. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. And check out the website genjag.com again for all the latest news, analysis, videos. You can become a member of Generation Jaguar. You get to drink at all the tailgates for free uh, if you become a member. So make sure to check that out. Again, genjag.com. We'll be over at the Bricks Tap House tomorrow night watching the uh, Jaguars take on the Falcons. And, you know, the fourth preseason game, it is what it is. We'll get into it a little bit more. But still another excuse to get out and have fun with your Gen Jag brothers and sisters. We'll be out there. Game starts at 7. We'll probably be out there by 6.30. Come say hi. Come hang out. Have a drink. We will be there. So... Let's get into it, man. Scott Klein, at Scott Klein one on Twitter. You can follow myself, Jordan DeLugo, at Jordan DeLugo. The Jaguars fell to the Panthers 24-23 at Everbank last Thursday. Blake Bortles, despite throwing a near pick six, was clearly the best quarterback in the game for the Jaguars. And uh, let's go ahead and look at some winners and losers. Who's your big winner, Scott? Whew. I mean, do I have to pick one? <laughs> I mean, they, they, no, that's they, big one. Just give us one. Yeah, there were there were some uh, there were some some good things in a mostly dismal performance. Um, to me, my guy that I've been preaching about, pun intended, uh, <laughs> Barry Church, came up huge. <laughs> he certainly um, did. He just he he showed what he's been showing on film. You know, he's a rangy guy, much more so than his. Uh, the guy who's replacing Jonathan Ziprian. Absolutely. And, you know, he showed, he came up in the run game. He made like nine or ten tackles. Nine tackles, one tackle for loss. Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's not afraid to go in there and stick his nose in, in, the, uh, in the running back's face. But, um, yeah, he, he looks the real deal. Yeah, he does look to be a very solid addition. And he's cheaper than Deshaun Gibson, but he might be a better player. Yeah. They're both... The reason the comparison comes up is Gibson was signed in 16 as a free agent, Church in 17, and they're both safeties, obviously. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Hopefully they can feed off of each other, but it definitely seems like at this point Barry Church might be the better player, just uh, if you're comparing the two. Jason Myers, big winner. Mm -hmm. He had a really rough couple weeks to start the preseason and training camp. Bounced back strong against the Panthers, made a 44-yard field goal, his only field goal attempt, and also made both of his extra point attempts. No, it's not spectacular, but it's positive momentum. Uh, the Jaguars decided not to sign either of the two kickers they brought in on workouts the week before. So we'll see what happens there with the kicking situation. It seems like Myers is going to be the guy. So if he's going to be the guy... You want to see him making kicks, and yeah. that's what he did. Yeah. <laughs> now, we've got a couple other guys who are big winners. Yeah, a, a relatively new guy, uh, Stanley Jean-Baptiste, comes up with a big interception, almost has another one. Mm -hmm. um, he's making the most of his opportunity. We're very thin at corner right now. Jalen just played, I think it was 11 snaps. Jalen Ramsey, though. Jalen Ramsey, correct. <laughs> I need to clarify. But um, no, I mean, When I, you've got two cornerbacks that are both named Jalen, yeah. you just got to... <laughs> True. Give the people uh, 
some more specifics with the names there, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, in in a, at a position where we are very thin right now, there's guys who are showing up and making plays. You know, some of these uh, some of these uh, younger guys are really stepping up, and uh, John Baptiste had a huge game. Yeah, he really did. It's crazy. He really hadn't made too many plays this training camp or preseason. Then he comes out, gets an interception and a big pass breakup in one game. Yeah, good for him. I still don't think he has a shot at the roster, really. But man, he he if he keeps making plays like he did on the interception, he made such a good break. He completely bailed on on what looked like it was his assignment. Yeah, and just read the quarterback's eyes and got to it before the receiver. Yeah, no doubt about it. He definitely had a. Had a uh, stock up week. Yeah. Now, Corey Grant, he wasn't consistent uh, against the Panthers. He ended up with 57 yards on, like, seven carries or something like that. But he keeps coming up with big plays. He had a 51-yard run that really ignited the Jaguars uh, in the first half and was really a spark they needed. There was a fake punt in the preseason. Yeah. That's crazy. It was a fake punt, but it was a 51-yard yeah. run for Grant, and he just looked explosive as he has regularly this preseason. And he's a guy that I don't think there's any way he's not on the roster. Yeah. No, he's he's solidifying that point every single game, it seems like. Yeah. Now, losers, there were plenty. Mm-hmm. What's your biggest loser? Uh, the old... Uh, the stinker at quarterback that this open competition was supposed to bring. You know, Blake Bortles has been struggling. Chad Henney, the savior, is supposed to come in and, and grasp this team and bring it down from the depths, and he just fell flat. Yeah. You know, it's he was very immobile, it seems, other Definitely. than the one where he almost got his head ripped off at the play. But um, he didn't look good. I mean, he's you know what he is. Um, he just he didn't have a, a good enough performance, and then he gets some bad news the next day. Yeah, to me, he's a guy that if there was no defense, he would look as good as anybody hmm. there is out there. He doesn't have the biggest arm, but it's big enough, and he's an accurate thrower. Problem is, Jaguars' offensive line cannot keep him a clean pocket, and without a clean pocket. He's rendered ineffective completely. Yeah, there was there was one play where I think it was uh, Parnell just got pushed back into his lap. Shocker. He didn't, he didn't even move. <laughs> he got sacked, and the guy was just reaching around Parnell and dragged him down. He didn't even move. He just it seems he seemingly ignores pressure. Yeah, it's uh, frustrating to watch him back there trying to avoid pressure at times. No doubt about it. Now. The offensive line, like we just mentioned, really struggled and has struggled throughout the preseason to really open up consistently running lanes and to protect the quarterback, which you didn't really expect quarterback to protection to be a huge issue for this offensive line. They were pretty decent at protecting the quarterback last year, despite the stigma of the offensive line being terrible. But, uh, yeah, they've been bad. And both pass protection and run blocking. Is there any silver lining here? Cam Robinson looks like he certainly has the makeup to
to be a very solid starter. There are some things he's kind of struggling with, um, a little bit in pass protection. He he has his moments where a guy just speeds right by him and he and he can't keep up. Solid run blocker. Yeah. I mean, that was never the question though. Um, obviously, you got this the rock in the middle, Lender. AJ, who did not have a great couple of weeks the last couple of weeks, so. yeah, which was a surprise, shocking. He's never performed poorly when on the field, and they they got a revolving door, as, as far as just throwing people in the left guard spot. Yeah, Boenko looks starting. like Luke Boenko is the guy at yeah. the moment, which he didn't play terribly. No, you know? I I would be pulling for Luke Boenko, and we'll get into that fifty three man roster stuff. The the fact that the biggest calamity that this front office has shown to me so far is going into the season thinking that AJ can will suddenly spring back into a good offensive lineman he's been just atrocious yeah it's really frustrating and he came out with a statement he was interviewed last week he still says he feels confident in the offensive line this year and Hopefully, hopefully he's right there, but uh, I'm going to bet against him. Now, uh, Keelan Cole also did not really help himself out. He seems like a guy that solidified his roster spot just based on his ability to get open, his deep speed, and his lack of uh, drops in practice. Now, two straight weeks he's dropped passes that probably would have gone for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So he needs to really pick it back up in week four and moving forward for the Jaguars. It's great to be a guy with speed, but you got to be able to catch the ball, and you don't want it to get into his head. That's the worst thing that can happen with receivers (laughs) and drops. So uh, And it can easily happen. It snowballs very quickly. So that's going to do it for Panthers-Jaguars talk. Uh, there's plenty more we could get into there, but we've got a lot of other fun topics to touch on. So, Blake Bortles named the starter against the Houston Texans week one. What do we think? Um, it confused me at first. I mean, I understand. Right, because the timeline is Blake Bortles gets benched after yeah. the, the Buccaneers game. Buccaneers game. Chad Henney becomes the starter. Chad Henney starts against the Panthers and plays the whole first half. Blake Bortles pretty much plays the whole second half. Mm -hmm. And neither of them really looked great. (laughs) And then Saturday morning at 8.45, the Jaguars announce that Blake Bortles is the starter week one against the Texans. It it, it seemed so much to me. I I would have been less surprised if he was cut, to be honest. (laughs) I was... At, at one point, and the guy even tweeted about it, I said, there was, I think, seven or eight straight running plays in the first two series he was in. And I was like, they're not even letting the guy throw the ball. <laughs> like, he's done. Yeah. He's cooked. And for me, if, if he's not the guy, you're on the hook for $19 million over the next two years. Yeah. If he gets hurt, it doesn't matter if he plays next year. He's, it's guaranteed. Yeah, they're taking a huge risk. It's, it was a risk doing it in the first place. Yeah, picking up that, picking up that uh, option. But my goodness. So, what we, what I like, and what we believe is the reason really that Bortles is being named the starter is just because 
he can be more mobile. Mm-hmm. Doug Marone doesn't have confidence in this offensive line, in my opinion. He and Brandon Allen both have the propensity to be much more mobile than does Chad Henney. And these quarterbacks might be running for their life against the Houston Texans in week one, no matter where the game's played. You've got J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, Jadavian Clowney, big-time pass rush. It's going to be... it's going to be really interesting to see if that offensive line can hold up at all. Let's get some three tight end sets in there. They're going to have that to. Helps. <laughs> They're going to have to just run it straight up the gut, it seems like, to have any success. We'll yeah. see what happens there. But Bortles named the starter week one against the Texans. Moving on, we decided that the Jaguars have had a really tumultuous offseason. Any way you look at it, it has been news-filled, very interesting, very odd with a lot of these stories. So, we're going to redo the five biggest decisions, uh, or the five biggest blunders for us that the Jaguars had this offseason. So, what is our number one blunder, Scott? What do you think? It's this juggling act at quarterback. I mean, to not even consider bringing in somebody... Well, let's not say the that they didn't consider it. it I'm sure they I mean, did consider it. It's, it's got to be a talking point. It's the, yeah. most, it's the most important. But, I mean, <laughs> to go three weeks, into the se- three weeks into the preseason with the guy who's supposed to be leading your team, and all of a sudden he's not the starter anymore. Yeah. Or he, it's an open competition. You, we, 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 he's the one who took over for Chad Henney in the first place. Yep. So, I mean... We talked about it throughout the offseason. Off Bring somebody in. It doesn't have to be a world beater. He doesn't have to be a pro bowler. Yeah. Just have somebody come in. Like, and I think you nailed it on the head. Brian Hoyer, I feel like, would have been a perfect situation of a guy who's got talent, isn't, hasn't always been the most successful, but has shown he can play at a high level yeah. in the NFL. Wouldn't break the bank. At least at an average level. Yeah. You know? And even <laughs> if he's not the starter... You wouldn't be paying him Mike Glennon money. <laughs> no, you know? wouldn't. Now, he might have gone to San Francisco because he wanted to start. Yeah. But I believe money talks. So the Jaguars could have got him here if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And if they did get him here, I believe they would at least be talking about a competition for the AFC South. Instead of talking about who the Jaguars are going to draft in the top five next year. Yeah. And uh, may, who knows, with this offensive line, maybe any quarterback would be looking like garbage. We'll see. We certainly will. And uh, so, yeah, Jaguars addressed the quarterback. What were you doing? Could have drafted a quarterback. You could have drafted Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying they should have, but they could have drafted many other guys in the second and middle rounds. Uh, Nathan Peterman was a fifth round pick there's all sorts of guys they could have gotten in the middle rounds they decided not to do that they decided not to trade for an A.J. McCarron, a Jimmy Garoppolo a Brett Hundley uh, and in my opinion this is kind of a little bit off on a rant that doesn't really have to do with the Jaguars but it's just in general in the NFL I think draft picks are overvalued if you can trade a first round pick for a guy you're confident in as a starting quarterback, wouldn't you do that all day? 
I mean, people go after quarterbacks every year in the draft. That's, I mean, it, you would you would very easily spend a first round pick on a quarterback, right? And be jumping. So why not spend a couple first round picks on a good first on a good quarterback that you know is a good quarterback? Yeah. I don't follow that. So in general, I just think teams just overvalue these draft picks, and it can hamstring them at times when. You could get rid of a draft pick in next year's draft and the draft after to really acquire someone that could help your team right now. Yeah. It's just there, there's got to be somebody that's willing to give up a good young quarterback. Well, I think that if the Jaguars threw a first-round pick at the Bengals, they would have gotten rid of McCarron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they would have jumped at it. I mean, do a first-round pick, and since they don't seem to like Hearns anymore, throw Hearns in there. That's a, uh, to me that's a bit rich for AJ McCarron, but I see your point. It is a bit rich, but you're always going to have to spend too much to get a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's just the way it is now. And I don't think there's anybody on the planet who would take any quarterback on the Jaguars roster right now over AJ McCarron. Yeah, that's besides maybe Dave true. Caldwell. <laughs> yeah, it sure <laughs> seems like. It. Speaking of Dave Caldwell, his ass should have got canned. No offense, he seems like a nice guy, but you miss on your entire 2013 draft class, your first draft class. You have top five picks in every round. You miss all of them. All of them. 2014, you miss on your quarterback. You hit on a lot of other picks in 2014, but you miss on your first round quarterback. 2015, that that first round pick is still... Um, it's still unclear whether it was a good pick or not. It appears, based on this preseason, that perhaps Dante Fowler will have a breakout season. But, to this point, he still hasn't proven it. And, uh, obviously, in 2016 and 17, his picks just kind of fell into his lap there. You can't really pass on either of those guys. Jalen Ramsey and Leonard Fournette, they're just too good and make too much sense for the team, but... Dave Caldwell has been so stubborn over the last couple of years. I wish Hunter was here, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> to be the other side of this argument. But yeah. yeah. It's shout out to you, Hunter, getting in some uh, football practice over at Creekside High. Who they got a win. Yeah, big. They got a big win the other day. Oh, yeah. Shout out to them. Shout out to Creekside High. Good for you, Hunter. But, but just back to the, to the Dave Caldwell firing that we're doing currently. Um... <laughs> What were the biggest problems with this football team? Offensive line right, went relatively unaddressed. Offensive line. And let's not even just say that it went unaddressed. Dave Caldwell said, prior to the draft, there was only one position on the offensive line up for grabs. You show me oh Jeremy Parnell, AJ Can, and the revolving door at left guard, and you're telling me there's only one position up for grabs? I need to get his. I need to get a pair of his glasses. I want to see what his prescription is, because he's hallucinating. But I mean, okay, so you got that quarterback turnovers like crazy, terrible play, nothing. Spins a relatively premium pick, well, multiple premium picks on, let's say, questionable choices. Okay. I mean, good who are we talking about? The, the, basically, the middle of the draft, 
which is another one of our points. I kinda, yeah, let's I just get right into, into it. it. Bury the lead there. We're going to redo the middle rounds. Yeah. <laughs> third through fifth round. We're going to redo them right now. Scott, you can start off with your third round pick. The Jaguars selected Dwayne Smoot, defensive end, Illinois. Not big production in 2017 mm-hmm. or 2016 for Illinois, but good skill set, a lot of talent. And and this isn't an indictment on the players that he did draft. Right. It's just this is looking at the value and the peop- the players available and team needs. Exactly. And so yeah, I'm actually happy with all. I'm relatively happy with all three players the Jaguars selected in rounds three through five, but. We wouldn't have done it the same way. Correct. Going back, we still wouldn't have done it the same way. Yeah. To me, it's a very similar position. It's another defensive end. It's going to be more of a pass rusher for me. Uh, I, w- I would have taken Carl Lawson. I was very high on him coming out of Auburn. Um, he ended up somehow falling to the fourth round, Yeah, which is insane to me. The Bengals. And some would even argue that he had borderline first-round talent yeah. in terms of being a pass rusher. Just watching him, he was at Auburn, he was the only one making plays, and he was making them every single game. Yeah. The entire time. It was in, his, his film is ridiculous. Uh, to me, I, I, as soon as he started getting to the end of the second round, that's who I had my eyes on the entire time. Yeah. And then they take... A guy who was thought highly of, you know, going into the season, didn't really produce much. I would have, I would have gone in more of a pass rusher, a pass rusher than a strong side end, right. because what we need is pressuring the quarterback. Yeah, we don't need another stout run stuffer. We need a guy to yeah. get after the quarterback, and Smoot could turn into that, but it doesn't appear to this point that he is that. Uh, for me. I'm taking offensive lineman Dan Feeney. He was a popular name around Jacksonville prior to the draft. He could come in. I believe he would be starting at one of the guard positions right now if he was drafted by the Jaguars in the third round. And I think he'd be playing better than A.J. can for sure. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It wouldn't be hard to do that. (laughs) So, um, fourth round, who we got? They they ended up taking D.D. Westbrook. Which very we are good very receiver. happy with. We love Didi. Questionable off field. Yeah, um, has s- seemingly been no questions off yeah. field. <laughs> no, um, this to me it's it's in the similar pick to yours. Um, I would pick uh, I believe Dorian Johnson yeah. from Pitt. Um, there were some medical issues. I think he had some liver issues, um, but a very talented guy. Just somebody, like you said, just somebody to to get a body in there. That can produce instead of be a liability. Yeah, I'm with you there, and I'm gonna copycat. Well, we're you copycat me with the O line, then I'll copycat you again. I would have not just taken Dan Feeney in the third round. I would have taken another offensive lineman in the fourth round. Ooh. David Sharp out of Florida, offensive tackle. Get Jeremy Parnell's ass on the bench. Yeah, please. Hmm. Stick David Sharp in at right tackle. He's gone against some of the best pass rushers that the SEC and others have to offer and done very well. So and you get him out there, you get your two bookend uh, tackles set up for the future. You have Cam Robinson and David Sharp out there. And, and this is, I think, the biggest thing 
with the, the, the players that we named versus the players that they took is that these are still starters, yeah. potential starters in the third and fourth round when you picked a backup strong side end and a, a fourth wide receiver. Yeah. So it's... And now let's get to the fifth round where the Jaguars selected a backup linebacker. Yeah. So who you got? I want to shore up the tight end position. Um, I took Jeremy Sprinkle. Um, he's a Sprinkles. great Sprinkles. He's a great all around. Keep that man tight away end. from Belk. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's a great all around tight end. Um, yeah, we were we were a little bit thin at linebacker, but there was basically Mercedes Lewis. Koyak is nice. You know, he's 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 playing well, and then Sharp's probably, or uh, Sterling. Neil Sterling is probably going to be on the practice squad. Yeah. And then Michael, Michael Rivera can't get on the football field. Yeah, he's been injured. He's back now, but he missed pretty much the whole preseason. Yeah. And he's a guy that's talented receiver, but you don't really know what you have with the injury concerns and with him not being as well-versed in the offense as you would like him to be coming off the preseason. So... I'll take Corn Elder. I wanted the Jaguars to draft him prior to the draft. They we talked about didn't. him a lot here. He's available in the fifth round. He's a big-time talent at cornerback. He's boys with Jalen Ramsey. They both have that alpha dog mentality. You get him in here. You have him as a backup nickel and outside corner his rookie year. You let Aaron Colvin walk next year, and you have your starting nickel cornerback of the future in Corn Elder. That sounds good to me. I like it. I like it too. I don't know what the Jaguars were thinking, to be honest with you. Because I love having D.D. Westbrook, and you don't want to give him up now that he's here because you've seen what he is. But wouldn't you love to have a bookend right tackle? Yeah. There's no guarantee that that's David Sharp, but he's a strong football player at Florida. He's a big guy, and he seems to have the traits you want for a tackle. It's just looking at, just looking at the players that we took – in base package on defense, coming out of the gate, Dwayne Smoots on the bench. Blair Brown will be sitting on the bench. Dee uh, Dee Westbrook. Unless they come out in a four-wide, which we there. might not see that much this year. Could he could? he These are guys that have bright futures, but Certainly. might not really impact the way some of these guys that we're talking about could have this year. Yeah. And this is a th- what were we three and thirteen last year? Three and thirteen. We just talking about yeah. Let's just go get depth instead of addressing our actual <laughs> needs at starting positions and keeping and sticking with the quarterbacks, the offensive line, the coaching staff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there was a, not a lot of turnover for three and thirteen team. I gotta say that Tom Coughlin should not go. Uh, not get a free pass for any of this either. Hmm. This whole organization, they've had some really big blunders this offseason. They didn't address quarterback. They haven't gotten rid of a GM who missed on an entire draft class. Yeah. And multiple free agent classes. They didn't draft any players that are going to start in round three through five when they easily could have. Now, they didn't sign an offensive lineman at all. They traded for Brandon Albert. <laughs> Where's he at? 
He's, he's at home. He's who knows where the hell Brandon Albert is right now, and who cares for that matter? So they just really screwed up. They they had their shot at Zeitler. They let the Browns oh. instead develop, or they let the Browns basically through players they already had and through additions create maybe the best offensive line in football. Yeah, they, and they could have been in that conversation if they have Cam Robinson, they have Dan Feeney, they have Zeitler. They have David Sharp. They have all this competition at uh, on the offensive line. It would have been really something. And and let's even go back to 2016 offseason when they had their shot at Alex Mack and they declined to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he turned out pretty well for Atlanta. Yeah, he only <laughs> anchored one of the best offensive linemen or offensive lines in football that was minutes away from winning the biggest game. And you know what? And you know what? All these guys that we're talking about who went to other places are, they're mean dudes. Yeah. They are just nasty on the football field. And I don't feel like Cam Robinson probably can just because... Just because Gotta love Cam Robinson. Yeah. But he doesn't really... He plays physical and mean, but yeah. you don't see that in his give me just some, demeanor. Give me some mean dudes <laughs> on that <laughs> offensive line. Because they gotta be maulers. Yeah. <laughs> they gotta be going out for blood. I'm with you there. Now... So we would have signed an offensive lineman, done something to get one in free agency, because Zeitler wasn't the only one available. Yeah, there it would have we, been improvements. We went throughout the offseason talking about multiple candidates. Yeah. Now, the last thing out of our five blunders that we're fixing for the Jaguars here is sign Allen Robinson and Telvin Smith. You're looking at a contract for Telvin Smith that's probably in the 6 to $8 million range. That is not a heck of a lot of money to shell out. Especially when you know Paws is coming off the books soon. You know Chris Ivory's probably coming off the books next year. Who knows how long Mercedes is going to be on right. anymore. So you have the room to do it. Go to get it done. That's bad. But even worse is not signing Allen Robinson, who if he performs this season the way he has been performing in preseason, he's going to get the hell out of Jacksonville. It To me, I've been dreading it, this, and I've been dreading it the entire offseason. He, he seems like a guy who probably just doesn't want to be here. I mean, you don't have a solid quarterback. You have no idea what's, what's going on next year. I mean, you had a terrible year last year, and you got annihilated by, in the fan base. Yeah. By, I mean, he's got to have a bad taste in his mouth right now about way, the way things have happened. They should have... They should have just uh, signed on the dotted line with him and given him whatever he wanted, in my opinion. He's a he's a wide receiver one, or maybe the very upper echelon of wide receiver twos in football. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in fantasy-wise. I mean in terms of talent. Does that guy deserve to be a number one receiver on an NFL team? He seems like that guy that does deserve it. So... Very frustrating there. Many blunders by the Jaguars. But, you know, just hire Scott and Jordan and we'll we'll get it done for you. <laughs> now we're about halfway through the episode here. Maybe a little more than half. We'll see how things go here. But, got to make sure to shout out Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jag podcast. You can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And make sure to check us out on Twitter, at Generation Jag, Facebook and Instagram, at Generation Jaguar. 
And uh, check out jenjag.com. We have all the latest news, analysis, videos. We've got it all going on for you. And uh, we're really excited for our watch party tomorrow night at Bricks Tap House at the beach. Make sure to come come say hi if you guys are out at the beach uh, for the Jaguars versus Falcons matchup, 7 p.m. tomorrow night. So this Saturday, September 2nd, is not only the greatest day of college football of all time, it's also the day that NFL teams have to cut their roster down from 90 players to 53. They have till 4 p.m. on Saturday, September 2nd, this Saturday, to do so. So, we have broken down the roster, and we are going to tell you everybody we think is going to make this 53-man roster. And after that, we've got... Quite a few questions coming in on social media here. We're going to answer a few questions from the fans. All right. Excited to do that. We've never done that before on this here podcast, but we decided we'd give it a shot today, and we got a couple good questions, so we'll certainly get into that after we look at the 53-man roster. So, let's get special teams out of the way. Jason Myers looks like he's going to be the kicker. Yeah. There's no one else. <laughs> Nothing right else going on. Uh, Brad Nortman, everyone's happy that he's in Jacksonville. Good punter. Had a good first season with the team. He had a crazy punt early in the preseason. Yeah, he did. He's been he's been a good, really good football player for the Jaguars. Yes, punters are players too. <laughs> Excuse me. Long snapper Matt Overton replaced Carson Tinker. Jaguars long, long, long time long snapper. Excuse me. <laughs> he has suffered a torn ACL early in training camp, so Overton will be your long snapper there. So that's three players that are special team specific. Now, let's move on to the defense. We'll start up front, defensive line. Let's start with the guys on the inside, defensive tackle. This seems pretty clear cut. Uh, Malik Jackson, Avery Jones are the two starters. Avery Jones is your nose tackle. Malik Jackson's your three technique, a.k.a. Malik Jackson's the guy who really wants to penetrate. Avery Jones is a guy who can penetrate, but is mostly there just to hold the point of attack. Behind them, you have two guys that are exclusively backups to them for each position. Malik Jackson's backup is Sheldon Day. He's a nice three technique. He doesn't have that great height that you look for, but he's really explosive. And then behind, um, behind Avery Jones, you've got Stephen Charles, who followed over Doug Marone from Buffalo, and he's a big man, yeah, number he's, ninety. He, he's really the only other true uh, one tackle, yeah, nose tackle that that could be back up Avery Jones and kind of fit in the mold of what you're looking for. Yeah, so he kind of just makes the team by default. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but he's had some success in the yeah. NFL. Um, you might see a guy like Michael Bennett make the team just to add a little bit more depth on that interior because having a two deep, if one guy goes down, you're putting a lot on that other guy. Right. Now he needs to show something. You know, he, He's had flashes during uh, drills and mm-hmm. training camp, but he really hasn't shown much in terms of game footage, and he hasn't shown that much even in 11-on-11s. And camp. So for me, I have four 
Yeah. Four defensive tackles. You have your two starters and one backup at each spot. Moving outside to the defensive end, you want to break down these guys? You got the starter, Unique. National media, get used to the name. He's a starter. He's going to be the starter. Let's yeah, if any of our TV <laughs> broadcasters are out there listening, Unique Ngakwe. I always, I, sometimes I see people like national guys talking about the Jaguars, talking about the defense, and he's not even mentioned. But they'll yeah. put Dante Fowler in there yeah. because he's the former the first pick. round pick. Yeah. yeah, former top five pick. He's the guy who's most likely, I think, primed to have a breakout season and become more nationally known. Um, so on the opposite side of him, you obviously have Calais Campbell, the mountain of a man. Um, after that. You've got the usual suspects, the, the the recent draft picks, Dante Fowler Jr., backed up Unique, and uh, Dwayne Smoot, the the new guy out of uh, Illinois. Um, backing then, up Calais. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's kind of three people fighting for the same spot. Um, you, you think one guy has kind of a, a little heads up on the other ones? Yeah. I like Malachi Goodman, who most listeners might not even know who he mm-hmm. is. He's number 99. Just look for him. You'll find him. He's hard to miss. He's a big, big defensive end. He's just flashed a lot to me in camp and a little bit in preseason, and he's just huge. I think he's a great guy to keep on the roster. I think he could have an impact if he's forced into play, and if not, I think he'd be excellent candidate to try to learn from Calais Campbell as much as he can. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, other than him... Really, the only guys realistically that could make it are Jonathan Woodard and and potentially Carol Phillips. Yeah, um, Woodard, the sixth round pick in 2016. I believe he got torn hurt. Achilles. Yeah, missed all of 2016. Carol Phillips, you can got or excuse me, Dwayne Smoots, teammate from Illinois last year. So yeah, that's that's an interesting spot and maybe one to keep an eye on in this game. Just write down those three names and just see who flashes. Yeah, keep an eye on them for sure. Now, moving on to the linebacker core, this is interesting, too. Uh, is Laurentian McCray going to be listed as a defensive end or a linebacker? Currently, he's listed as a linebacker, so I have him as an outside linebacker. Um, you've got Miles Jack, Telvin Smith, and Paul Puzlesny, your clear starters. Hayes Pollard is your clear backup middle linebacker, and he's really flashed a lot this preseason, making some really big hits on some uh, some unsuspecting... <laughs> Um, running backs now Blair Brown we've talked about him he looks like he's going to be on the team he's a fifth round pick you don't normally part ways with fifth round picks before their rookie year even starts so he's going to be out there and Laurenti McCray is my final linebacker now that excludes Josh McNary who was signed to be a core special teams player Audie Cole who's already been cut and also Akeem Dent, who the Jaguars recently just signed. So there's certainly some debate at the back end of the linebacker group that, yeah. that could be had. I, th- I think this is a good group. I mean, Laurenti McCray, he might be more of like a third down pass rusher. But he's, he's shown flashes, even, even when playing defense. As, right, and, and he's, he's another a, core special teams guy. Exactly. So I mean he's he's shown that he's you know capable of actually making an impact yeah. on the defensive end, which is nice to have when 
you br- you're brought in <laughs> as a special teamer. No doubt. Now at cornerback, we've talked about this group before. We talked about it today. Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boye, Aaron Colvin, those are your three starters. Yes, the nickel cornerback is a starter. I don't want to ever hear anybody say yeah. that that's not a starting <laughs> position again. Now, after that, Tyler Patman has clearly been the fourth best corner on the team. He's been a pass breakup and interception machine throughout training camp. And he's been uh, very effective against the run. So you got to like him, even though he's a guy who has bounced around from team to team since he uh, came into the NFL in 2014. He doesn't have huge size or measurables or speed, but he's just a guy that's going out there and getting the job done, and that's what you want to see. After that, I think those guys are four locks to make the team in that corner. You could have five cornerbacks. You could have six. Rolling with five means you really only have two backups. You don't like that. But if there's not guys to... If there aren't guys that are worthy of making the roster, I don't think you should keep six cornerbacks just to keep six cornerbacks. Yeah, I mean, there's you typically you're gonna try and stash a couple guys on the practice squad. Right. So for me, I have Jalen Myrick making it, not really because of what he's done so far, but because of his potential. Mm-hmm. Fast as hell. He's done some okay things. He hasn't been completely terrible the whole training camp. He's had some. A few pass breakups, a few nice plays. But he really hasn't shown that much. Brian Dixon's been better than him. But Brian Dixon's a journeyman, and Jalen Myrick's a seventh-round pick that ran a 4 40 Yeah. So I have Myrick making the team. Don't know if that's going to be the way it shakes out. Brian Dixon could easily be the fifth corner. They could keep six corners. Uh, you've got Stanley Jean Baptiste we talked about. You've got Doran Grant. You've got several other guys that are going to be competing, but the really only guys that are safe, in my opinion, are Ramsey, Boye, Colvin, and Patman. Now we've got safety to round out the defense here. Uh, you want to get us going with safety? Yeah, I mean, you got the uh, the returner from last year, uh, Tishon Gibson. Um, you've got my guy, Barry Church, locked in. You know, they're going to uh, clearly head and shoulders above the other ones. Although, Ger- Gerard Wilson... He's been really been playing his tail off. He yeah. got an interception. Yeah, he should have had two, really. Yeah. And uh, for a guy that plays strong safety to be making plays like that on the ball, it's not something you see in Jacksonville yeah. very often. Now, Barry Church hopefully will change that up because Barry Church could be the most versatile safety the Jaguars have had at strong safety in their franchise history. Yeah. Donovan yeah. Darius was just a thumper. Mm-hmm. He was a little bit of a liability in coverage. Um, and, you know, Carnell Lake was never super special for the Jaguars. So this Barry Church could be your most well-rounded, strong safety that the Jaguars have had. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then you also have, uh, last but not least, Peyton Thompson, a guy who's been with the team for quite a while. Excellent special teamer, mm-hmm. constantly making tackles as a gunner. And, and capable in, in yeah. a free safety spot. Yeah, he's a guy who's played cornerback, so he's more of that tweener that's really athletic fast he can make plays and you gotta like guys like that and he's been super consistent like we said on special teams so that's 24 defensive players we have making the roster three special teamers so we're at 27 when we get to the offense which leaves how many players for the offense 26 
26 players on the offensive side of the ball we've got making the team. At quarterback, it's the... Uh, it's not it's not the three musketeers. It's really not. They are far from it. But you've got Blake Bortles, Chad Henney, Brandon Allen. Is it possible that one of these quarterbacks doesn't make the roster? Um I mean it's it's if anyone, I would say Brandon Allen just because of what kind of has been shown when yeah. when a competition final an open QB competition finally comes up and he plays the last 2 minutes of the game. Yeah. I mean, it really wasn't an open competition. It was really between yeah. Annie and Bortles. But I really just, hope that they don't get rid of Brandon Allen. Yeah, and, and it's it's bizarre. They when I think last week when um, they only mentioned Henny and Bortles being in a competition as a starter. But then this week they talked about, oh, you know, we like Brandon Allen. You know, if, if, if he does perform well. We'll put him at starter, no problem. Yeah, it's like, that's well, interesting. <laughs> then give him some PT. I think know? all three make the team. Yeah. I think four running backs make the team. Leonard Fournette, Chris Ivory, TJ Yeldon, Corey Grant. Leonard Fournette and Grant are the only two that have really made an impact so far in the preseason. However, you know Chris Ivory and TJ Yeldon have the ability to do their specific roles. Yeah, I not mean, a whole lot to talk about there. Yeah, really, I that's mean, pretty cut and dry. Some people will say they want to get rid of TJ, or some people will say they want to get rid of Chris. Keep them both; they're not costing you too much money, and have the best running back group that you can, and most versatile running back group that you can. Yeah, and these guys do a lot of different things. Leonard right. Fournette does everything. Chris Ivory's power. TJ Eldon, good receiving back and pass protection. Corey Grant's a speedster. I mean, you, you cover a, yeah, speedster a lot and of bases. Turner, yeah. It's a lot of boxes checked off in that group. No doubt. Now, tight end, this is a position that could get a little dicey here. I have Mercedes Lewis, Ben Koyak, and Michael Rivera making the team. You could easily make a case for Alex Ellis because he has the ability to block as a tight end. He's decent and as a receiver, and he could also be an H-back. So he could line up as a fullback and uh, lead block a little bit as well. But I have Lewis because he's the obvious number one right now. The Jaguars want to run the football, and he's their best run blocker at tight end. Ben Koyak, he's a bit more balanced tight end. He could probably be a better receiver than you could get out of Mercedes Lewis. But he's also got some blocking ability. Michael Rivera has been injured all throughout preseason. He's back now. I have him making the squad because he's a proven pass catcher in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, just like the running back group, you have run blocker, balance, pass catcher. Yeah. It's very evenly dis- distributed. Um, so this would mean Neil Sterling's gone. Yep. Yeah. Um, he's, I would say, a not as good version of Michael Rivera. Yeah. And not probably not as good of a blocker either. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. So, fullback. Marquez Williams has got to be the guy. Tommy Bohannon did not impress this preseason or training camp. Bohannon scored exactly zero touchdowns. Yeah. And Marquez did not. He That's scored, right. He scored he himself a touchdown. touchdown. He's got that those tree trunk legs. He's got more athleticism than Bohannon. And he appears to be more of a gamer than Bohannon. You've seen a lot of drops out of him in uh, practices and and he hasn't been impressive in the game. So that leads us to wide receiver. 
This is, in my opinion, pretty cut and dry. There's some debate at the end, certainly, to be had. Do the Jaguars keep six receivers? I think they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allen Robinson, obvious. Allen Hearns, obvious. Marquise Lee, obvious. D.D. Westbrook, obvious. Aurelius Ben, obvious, because he's a core special teamer. Then you've got one position left if you're keeping six. There's no question Keelan Cole's been the guy yeah. out of the rest of the group. The, the only argument people are going to ask, what about Rashad Green? He should not make this football team. He doesn't he deserve should. to be on the team. No. He hasn't proven it on the field, and he has a hard time staying on the field. Yeah. And Keelan Cole, he can be your gunner. Special teams, he can be a kick return, punt return, and he is just a burner at receiver. So you got to like him as an undrafted free agent, as a guy who could compare favorably to a different uh, former undrafted free agent. The Jaguars currently have a receiver in Allen Hurts. Yeah. So got to like that wide receiver group. And you'd like to be able to keep Rashad Green. You'd like to be able to keep Shane Wynn, but not going to happen. Yeah. Offensive line, you could argue eight or nine players here. Uh, maybe you should just get rid of all of them. <laughs> yeah, let's start over. <laughs> keep Cam Robinson, Brandon Linder, and Luke Bowenko because we like following him on Twitter. <laughs> get rid of everyone else. True. No, but you got Cam Robinson going to start at left tackle. It looks like Luke Bowenko has a little bit of a firm grip on the left guard spot right now. Brandon Linder's your starting center. And the right side to our lament is cemented with A.J. Can Jeremy Parnell. Behind those guys, you've got Patrick Omame at left guard, really just guard in general. He started games last year for the Jaguars. He's been the starter at times throughout the offseason and training camp. He seems like he's a lock to make the team, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, just because he's the he's, he's the good depth. The worst. He's good depth. Yeah. If he's your backup, I think that's good chip. Excuse me. Tyler Shatley, I have making the team. He's your do-it-all backup interior offensive lineman. Can play center and guard. Coach's favorite. Yeah. Josh Wells, he's your swing tackle. Another good coach guy. And that's... If that's your... If that's eight... If you only have eight people making the offensive line, that's your eight. That's got to be your eight. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have nine, you can argue for a few different guys. I would go with Earl Watford simply because... If you're really screwed and you have to play your ninth offensive lineman, he's a guy that can play almost any position and he has. on the offensive line. He's done it before. Yeah. So he's played interior. He's played at tackle. So while he may not be a impressive player, he's a guy that can at least be a body out there at all those different positions. Mm-hmm. So that's what we got. 26 offensive players. 24 defensive players, three special teamers. Let us know what you think about our uh, picks here to make the 53-man roster. And uh, if you uh, have any discrepancies, feel free to tweet at us, at Generation Jag on Twitter. We'd love to chat with you. Now, um, let's get into some of these Twitter questions that we've got. We asked our Twitter followers to send us any questions they might want answered on the show here today. 
And since our good friend Brandon Joyce was the first to respond, we'll go ahead and answer his question. What will it take for Brandon Allen to move up in the depth chart and challenge Bortles as the starter? Now that's a lot to unpack, because not only are you asking him to move up from the third spot to the second spot, you're also asking him to compete for the starting job. Mm. Immediately what comes to mind is a Chad Henney injury. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the easiest path. Or a Blake Bortles injury. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say the most likely scenario of seeing Brandon Allen being a starter is we just absolutely tank the beginning of the season. It's clear it's a lost season. Blake Bortles is playing like he did last year, looking terrible. And basically going into next offseason, you're just looking, what do I have? You know what you have in Chad Henney. You know what you have in Blake Bortles. Put, throw Brandon Allen in the fire and give him the second half of the season to just prove why he should be on the team next year. Yeah, That's really kind of the only way I see him dethroning the other two. <laughs> I'm with you there. Now, Sharif, who's actually a contributor here at Generation Jaguar, he asks, will Fournette be able to run behind this line? I think that's the million-dollar question for the Jaguars because what they want to do this year is run the ball. Mm-hmm. What, who they want to run the ball with is Leonard Fournette. Will the offensive line be serviceable enough to allow Fournette to do what he can do? I, I mean, it, they showed flashes last year of having somewhat consistent running game, and they had people nowhere near the talent of Leonard Fournette. If yeah. anybody can run with this offensive line, it's him. It's him. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's got to be. Yeah, <laughs> I point. think he's just a transcendent player. Yeah. Is he going to be better behind a great offensive line? Yes. If he's in Dallas, he probably has a 2,000-yard season or something like yeah. that. But, uh, you know... And Jacksonville, I think it'd be reasonable for to expect him to still, you know, at least flirt with twelve hundred yards and eight to ten touchdowns. Yeah. Just based on the fact that he's gonna get the opportunities. Yeah, and, and the biggest thing to me is just is gonna be the, the volume of carries. Yeah. And and that's and that's he has the capability every single play of if even if something doesn't go perfectly he can, he can break one and take it to the house. He's just a threat every single time he touches the ball. And I think it'll be more about just keep running and running and running and finding success rather than us dominating and just having continuous success throughout a game. Yeah. It might go in spurts in a game where he's got a one-yard gain, you know, a, a, a two-yard loss, you know, a four-yard gain, and all of a sudden he runs for 40. Right. So it's to me, it's just they're gonna give him so much, so many opportunities, and the, with the talent that he has, is that he's just gonna be able to overcome, sadly, the offensive line situation that we have. So yeah, I, I, I yeah, I think, I mean, I think T.J. Yeldon his rookie year, I think got like 800 yards or something like that. He, he almost broke a thousand yards from scrimmage his rookie year and it's he didn't do nearly what we expect no. from Fournette will do. So So just just based purely on the volume and the amount of carries that he's gonna get, they should be a market improvement yeah. this year. 
Now let's quickly get into a Jaguars and Falcons preview. We've talked about this before. The fourth preseason game is the most meaningless of all the meaningless preseason (laughs) games. Starters don't really play. But what would you like to see? Hopefully the offensive line will get some reps because they need them. Uh, You don't normally see starters like we said in the fourth preseason game. But you also don't normally see starters in the fourth quarter of any preseason game. And we saw that last week. So hopefully the starting line will get some play and just do something. Please show us something. Give us something to, to, you know, build some, build some momentum. Then you've got Brandon Allen. This is going to be his time to shine. You want to talk about him competing for a job. First, he needs to do well as pretty much the only quarterback who's going to get significant time in this game. Yep. Bubble guys. Uh, Keelan Cole, Shane Wynn, Tyler Patman, Brian Dixon. Jalen Myrick, how do these guys play? Although we think Cole and Patman are locks to make the team, they certainly weren't locks coming into training camp, and no one is untouchable, I believe, in the NFL, especially guys like them. So, how do these bubble players perform? Can Keelan Cole respond from uh, two weeks of really dropping touchdown catches? (laughs) Can Tyler Patman continue his solid play? Can Brian Dixon convince the coaching staff to keep him on as the fifth cornerback? So you got to look at all those guys. And then finally, Jason Myers. Just make your kicks, buddy. Yeah. Just it's easy. Put it through the uprights. It's easy. We'll be good to go. And if all else fails and everything else that we just named lets you down, at least you get to look at a pretty new stadium. Yeah. <laughs> That's no question about it. Uh, now... Around the AFC South, again, we mentioned Houston earlier in the show. Our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody affected by the hurricane over in that area of the country. And again, shout out to J.J. Watt. I hate saying it. He's raised over $6 million already. Just Google J.J. Watt, Hurricane Relief, donate, help them out. And uh, we mentioned Fournette chipped in 50000 to go towards uh, Houston. Their game against the uh, Cowboys was going to originally be played in Houston. They moved it to uh, Dallas, Texas for the uh, Jerry World there. But they ended up canceling that game too, or canceling it, uh, canceling the game as a whole. They're not going to play the fourth preseason game. Neither team are. Neither teams are going to be able to get that vital work yeah and i mean there's just there's at some point there's things that are more important than football i mean there are houston players that have family still in houston right so i mean it's just they've already made it back to the city um you know be with your family and your loved ones make sure that that they're that they're safe and just it's a it's a it's a preseason game a lot of a lot of back into the roster kind of guys are going to miss out on the opportunity to get more film time, but there's more important things. There are, no question (laughs) about it. Now, moving on to Indianapolis, the Colts will wrap up their preseason as they have every year since 2003 against the Cincinnati Bengals. Apparently, they have some sort of Interstate 74 rivalry going on. They're connected by that interstate. Vontae Davis, he's injured. He has a groin injury, and it looks like the star cornerback is going to be out for multiple weeks. 
that could certainly affect the Colts' regular season. And uh, they already have injury issues they're dealing with with Andrew Luck. Who knows what's going on with him they, on a daily basis. He might be out for another month. Yeah, so not a good start for the Colts. Obviously, you had Vontae Davis there paired with the Colts' young draft picks in the secondary, and he was really the linchpin of that secondary. So and with, they could really struggle to start the season in the secondary. And with Quincy Wilson seemingly just falling down the depth chart. Yeah. I mean, it, they, they, that's a guy they need. Right. Now the Titans, they are uh, they're getting their receivers healthy now. That's one of their big storylines they got going on. A lot of their receivers were missing time throughout the offseason. Corey Davis is close to returning. Eric Decker did just return. Tajay Sharp just returned. Will, so, that, will that help them get out of single digits in scoring? <laughs> Well, let's hope that it does not in week yeah. two of the regular season. They, they, their offense has just been falling completely on its face. Yeah, and this is preseason. Yeah. I still have a lot of confidence you in You want to see Titans. something, though. Unfortunately, I have quite a bit of confidence in that yeah. team. I don't like having confidence in the Titans, but it is what it is. Now, PFF Minute. Tyler Patman has the fourth highest run stop percentage of any cornerback this preseason. We've thought of him as a guy that's play, making a lot of plays uh, and pass coverage, pass breakups and interceptions, but you got to like the fact that he's willing to come up and get his nose dirty and uh, run stopping. Yeah, get physical. Make, I mean, do what you can to make the team. Yeah, now we mentioned this earlier, I believe. D.D. Westbrook and Amari Cooper had the two most impressive receiving performances in the preseason so far. Westbrook came in with six catches, 131 yards in his performance against the Buccaneers. Really impressive. Every catch he made that day went for over 20 yards. That's nuts. (laughs) That's just crazy. Yeah, it's not like there was a 90-yard catch and a bunch of other small catches. Every one of them was over 20 yards. So that's pretty cool. Keelan Cole, second-highest wide receiver rating for a rookie wide receiver this preseason. What does that mean? That means when quarterbacks throw him the ball, their rating, wide receiver rating basically is whatever the quarterback's rating is when they're throwing to that receiver. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It means that the quarterbacks have been very efficient throwing Keelan Cole the ball. And most of those throws have been downfield, not just short intermediate throws. So that's good. Yeah. That's a good step. It's interesting. Despite those two drops. I was going to say, I wonder if drops get accounted for well, it's and an incompletion. Yeah. Incompletions get counted towards QB That's rating. True. So, despite those two drops. And imagine what his those, that rating would have been if he caught both of those. Yeah. That would have been two more touchdowns for those <laughs> quarterbacks. He might be number one. I'm sure he would be. I, I have no doubt, to be honest with you. Now, keep one, let one walk. This is our weekly segment that we like to end the show with. Mohamed Sanu and Marquise Lee. Mohamed Sanu, a very talented receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. He's got a couple years on Marquise Lee, but he is a very talented and very bad man at wide receiver. And you've got Marquise Lee entering his fourth season for the Jaguars. Who are we taking? Yeah, um, Mohamed Sanu has been making plays. I think he went to Rutgers, yep, came out, he went, went to Cincinnati, played for the Bengals, played very well. And I, Joe Goodberry, who I follow a lot, is still complaining that they're trying to find a second wide receiver. Yeah. Well, 
they let Marvin Jones walk right after they let Muhammad Sanu walk. Yeah. So. Um, and um, Marquise Lee, we know what he is. When he's healthy, he can make some big plays. Um, I would say I'm going to go with the talent that I think is superior and just hope he stays healthy. I'm going to take Marquise Lee. Yeah. Because he's the more explosive player. And he's just more fun to watch, I think. I think you'd have some really interesting debates among NFL uh, executives and scouts about mm-hmm. who they would take here. And I have a hard time really deciding. And we Sanu don't... is the more known quantity. Although Marquise Lee had a more impressive year than Mohamed Sanu did last year. Mohamed Sanu made a lot of plays, but Marquise Lee made a lot of plays last year. Yeah. Now we know Mohamed Sanu because he's done that for season upon season upon season. Marquise Lee's only had one good season as a pro. He spent his first two years really battling injuries a lot. I'm going to take Marquise. Yeah. Go Jacks, baby. Right, you can stay healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that's going to do it for our episode. We're able to stay closer to an hour than an hour 20. So good for us. That's assuming I can wrap up the show in the next couple minutes. So, shout out to Bold City Brewery. The one and only sponsor of the Jim Jack podcast. You can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. You can find Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jag, and make sure to check out jinjag.com. And you can also follow us. You can tweet at us if you hate the show, tweet at us if you like the show. If you disagree with us, please let us know. We just we love debate. We love talking about the Jags. So hit us up. Scott Klein at Scott Klein one on Twitter. I'm at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. And you can also follow our co-host who's not here today, Hunter Evans, at Coach H underscore Evans. We really appreciate everybody listening. Uh, we'd like to remind everyone that we're available on SoundCloud and iTunes. So you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Your podcast gets uh, uploaded all the time. Yep. So you don't have to do anything. It's just there on your phone for you. Real quick before we go, shout out Emmy. My one, my uh, youngest daughter turns one today. Happy birthday. Oh, I, I can't believe you. we didn't bring up that before. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's birthday. I'm like girl. the worst host ever. <laughs> I feel awful. But happy birthday, Emmy. Hopefully we can enjoy some more... Uh, full-time adventures here soon maybe the jaguars will be good by the time she (laughs) can go to the game absolutely (laughs) absolutely hopefully they are that's for sure now you can uh, join the generation jaguar membership basically you get to drink and eat for free at every home game tailgate you get a t-shirt koozie member card uh sticker check it out all at genjag.com and thanks again for listening please rate us Follow us. Do everything you can to support us because uh, we do this for for the fans. We're not getting paid for this. We have a damn good time recording this podcast. Mm-hmm. And we have a really good time interacting with all of our listeners and fans. So thanks again to everyone who supports us. And that'll do it for us. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Enjoy the week off. You don't have to see the Jaguars play some crappy football, <laughs> crappy offensive line play after that and uh get ready for september 10th it's going to be here before you know it week one so thanks everybody go jaguars and have a great day duval
Thanks so much for listening to the Jenjag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at genjag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Block and teal all day. We'll catch you next time. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.